from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. continue to stir his coffee mechanically, staring straight ahead. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Hunter and I'm joined as always by my my good bud, uh, Hugh. Hello. And this is for Christ's sake, the podcast where we uh, explore the works of Mike Crane chapter by chapter. This week we've got another uh, riveting chapter of uh, Crane's years, writing under a pseudonym of, uh, of the name uh, Jean... Jean... <laughs> uh, John Wayne... <laughs> Uh, and uh, this book is called Scratch One. It was the 20th chapter. Uh, Hugh, would you like to give a little recap to the listeners uh, as to what happened in the last chapter of uh, Scratch One? I would love to, but first I have to introduce uh, my blood red port and my bowl of hard pretzels. And you have two guests to introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Hunter. I got um, some uh, chips that have salt and vinegar on them and a nice blood orange uh, screwdriver. So. Uh, okay, so... Yes, I will. I would love to uh, summarize what happened in the last chapter because nothing happened in the last chapter, except for at the end of it. So last chapter, Anne and Carr were just hanging around, enjoying each other's company at uh, Lissau's villa, or mansion, or whatever it is, compound. And um, then Lissau returned home from somewhere else, spoke to Anne. Anne goes back to Carr and says. Lissau got me a ticket to Hong Kong and I have to go with him. That was the end of the chapter. And apparently Kara is stunned. Lissau told her to quit her job at the casino and get ready to leave. And uh, Kara, being a strong, defiant man, says, I won't let him do it. And it's like, no, he's going he's gonna to kill me or you know, or both of us if you do that. So don't do that. Because, because, like, no, no, I, I have friends, perhaps if I can escape. And she says, if you try to escape, he will kill me. I know it. And then she leaves in a hurry. Um, but I like that it, it goes from that scene where she says quite clearly, if you try to escape, I will be killed, right? Lissell's going to kill me. If you try to escape, Lissell's going to kill me. Immediately, what, what, what does Carr think? Well, now I have to escape. That's his very next thought. He wants to kill her. He even says, he even says, or the narration says in his voice, he had no choice. We did have a choice. He could just hang around, let her go to Hong Kong and leave. <laughs> At least she'll be alive. At least she'll definitely be alive. Right. You can just go, you can go to Hong Kong, bro. Yeah, he could sort it out later, like let her go and then retrieve her. Yeah, exactly. Because as far as we know, although Lissau doesn't let Anne escape, as far as we know, he doesn't like torture her or do anything to her. Yeah. In fact, he prefers other men to do things to her. And he, he just wants to be aware of it. 
you know, probably watch secretly. So a sound course of action seems to me that like, okay, say to Anne, let her know. Presumably you're not being bugged, but say, look, look, you'll have to go to Hong Kong, but Hong Kong is just a plane trip away. If he lets me go, I'll come after you, I'll find you, and we'll run away together somewhere. But no, Kara's like, I have to escape, I have to escape, I have to escape, right? And he sort of thinks over in his head, how am I going to do this? I'm just a mild-mannered lawyer. I don't have any training in this department. I'm not James Bond. He may as well have said, but didn't. He definitely thought it just wasn't recorded on the, um, the page. So he thinks, he thinks, I'm weaponless, defenseless, or am I? He grinned as he dressed. One weapon, honed and polished from long experience. One weapon and one possibility. His, his hard cock. <laughs> that is essentially what Crichton is saying. Yeah. I mean, literally what Crichton is saying, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and whom does he attempt to employ that uh, member upon? On? In? Why, the jealous maid. Jeanette. Mm. Jolette? Jolette. Josette. Josette. Jolette. What the fuck are you doing, bro? <laughs> so first he has a convo. Yes, he has a, he has a chat with LaSalle. And... LaSalle asks him to kindly stay in his room because he's having a couple guests over. A couple of associates, if you will. Mm. And Carr's like, well, that's okay, but can I bring someone to my room if you know what I mean? And LaSalle's like, but Anne is it? Carr's like, not Anne. <laughs> and LaSalle's like, oh, wow, of course. Good luck smashing my babe. Um, all right, I'm going to go now. And then he heads out. But the, the point of that sequence is that Carr has caught Lissau off guard. He's done something that is unexpected. Well, seemingly has. Yeah, seemingly. Because, obviously, Lissau has observed the attachment between Carr and um, Anne, noted that they're both besotted with one another, and assumed that Carr would be above such philandering. But it's all part of Carr's plan. So first he, he walks the grounds as if he's just having a casual stroll. He makes his way to the car park and uh, he starts uh, sussing out the automobiles there as an amateur enthusiast might. He's like, oh, that's a nice Ferrari. And what's this other car? The one that must belong to the maid, of course. A Renault Dauphine. Hmm. Can't say I'm familiar with this particular model. Me either. This was the bit that confused me when I read it and then it became clear later. Is that he looks in the car and this is the sentence verbatim. But there was no throw rug in the back seat as he had hoped. Mm. So when I read that, because it's kind of ambiguously phrased, I thought, why was he hoping for there to not be a throw rug in the back seat? That's a weird thing to hope for. Yeah, I was, I was also confused by it. That's kind of like, is Craig trying to imply that you wanted to like fuck her in the car or something like that? Yeah, I was, I was like, I don't know what was going on. But then it becomes clear that what he was hoping for was for there to be a throw, throw rug in the back. Even if it doesn't make much sense. Well, his plan at one point is to like drive out with her at knife point and hide under a rug, but somehow also hold her at knife point at the same time, which doesn't make much sense. Yeah, that's why I was like, this is dumb. All right, anyway. So then he goes from uh, checking out the cars to checking out his prey, am I right? Mm -hmm. Which is he goes to the kitchen and uh, attempts to clumsily seduce 
Miss Josette. And it works perfectly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, or does it? Or does it? Or does it? Well, we already know that she was attracted to him, so. Or was she heal? But uh, I think another key point of this sequence is that Kara is able to secret a knife away and hide it in mm-hmm. his pocket uh, by uh, doing some light subterfuge. Um, there's some uh, not very uh, interesting, flirtatious dialogue, I don't think. Anyway, um, so it seems that his seduction of uh, Josette has gone off hitchless. His seduction of the not-so-innocent. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That was really uh, needed for you to say that. <laughs> um, the plan with Josette is that uh, after she serves drinks to the associates in West Al, she is often allowed to leave. But Carr says instead, you should come to my room at 10 o'clock. And we can have drinks there. That's 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 the plan. And um, Carr starts thinking over exactly how he's going to escape via Josette. And he wonders whether he should take her with him in the car um, and hold her at knife point. Or whether he should just tie her up um, and leave her and take the car himself. Mm-hmm. It's at this point, only at this point so far, that he remembers that Anne said Lissar would kill her if, he, if she escaped. If he escapes, sorry. And then he's like, oh, hmm, yeah, maybe I shouldn't escape. But then he's like, well, I know if I tie up Josette, take her car, they'll obviously realise I've escaped and they'll see that I've tied up the maid and therefore Anne has nothing to do with it so they won't kill her, which seems like a a tenuous (laughs) logic at best, I think. Like, why would... That wouldn't absolve Anne of being privy to it i know that he hasn't yeah the right thing to do would be not to tell her anything as he hasn't and do something like this but that doesn't mean that lissell's not going to blame her i mean as we've already discussed the right thing to do would just be to let her go to hong kong and be like okay i'm gonna you know go there maybe train at a shaolin temple for a couple months do some comedy kung fu at the very least lissell would have to establish for certain that she wasn't involved something which would no doubt involve his favorite pastime torture his favorite pastime Beneath cucking, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, beneath being cucked. It's like it's like kind of a, a torture, though. Hmm. A pleasurable one, to be sure. But there's people who enjoy being tortured, too. So It's true. Um, anyway, so, yeah, like, he goes over his plan, which is basically, yeah, so I'm going to tie up Josette, then steal her car and drive out, I guess. It doesn't really make any sense. Wouldn't the guards notice him when he was driving out? He's just going to chance it as far as, as, far as not, we know. Not, a very good at, not very good at plotting this car. No, <laughs> it's a terrible plan. It's a, and it gets worse as it goes along. But we should just say at this point, um, after he 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 gets fatigued from thinking too much, he settles into a nice lazy lunch with some mm. wine and falls asleep. And I just think, like, given that like he's got this complicated plan that he has to negotiate later that night, you'd think you'd you'd cut down on the drinking at lunch at least. <laughs> Especially since his plan revolves some potential drinking with uh, Josette later as well. So given that you might have to play along and drink a little bit at that particular point, you definitely wouldn't want to compound the problem by having a whiny lunch. If Bond can drink three martinis and also get an STD and still foil a bad guy, I think Roger Card can too. So, yeah. And then what does he decide to do? Uh, Well, he realizes that Hang on a minute. If I escape, 
and go to the police or whoever. I've got nothing to back up my story um, to make anyone interested in what's happening with Lissau. I mean, except for the fact that they did kidnap him. <laughs> it's a crime. Aside from I was kidnapped by these people, but he has no proof about what they're up to. They also killed someone in front of him. That's true. Why does he just say he's, that? <laughs> he's an eyewitness. But, you know, it's his word against theirs, I guess. That, that evidence is as good as anything else he's going to accumulate. Well, especially in, in terms of what he manages to yeah. <laughs> clean after which he, he... Which he seems satisfied with. So, anyway, so he decides that, you know, he, he doesn't want to just Chris Ant's wife by trying to escape. He's also going to try to eavesdrop on the associates' meeting. So he decides to go up on the roof, climbs out on a drainage pipe, and uh, climbs to another building where the associates are supping. And, um... There's a protracted sequence of this, which I was like, okay, come on. I don't really care that much. And I read it five times. <laughs> and finally, he gets into position to witness what they're doing and listen to what they're saying. But his plan seems stupid. Like, he's like, oh, I can get a great view of what's going on from the roof yeah. of the building in which they're in by scaling the, the drainage pipe to get to the roof and then... Sort of just flopping over, <laughs> looking down, upside down, mm. in the window, presumably in full view of anyone who chose to look out the window at that particular point. Mm. And uh, he doesn't really see much. They're just sort of gathered around a map on the table or something. That's the best he can make out. He's like, I can't hear anything. Damn it. Mm. Um, then he realizes, ah, oh, there's a chimney. So he goes over to the chimney and, see, and, and puts his ear next to it <laughs> or something. He's like, maybe I can hear what, what they're talking about. Yeah. And uh, he hears like a couple of key words that don't mean anything to him, but he reasons maybe it will mean something to someone else. Those words, what were they again? Uh, they raise a toast to Tribune R. Yeah. And also to Herr Brower. Mm-hmm. I think the the kind of enjoyable part of this story is, or this type of story, at least, if not this particular version of it, is when you have like a, an innocent everyman caught up in, um, you know, some sort of greater conspiracy and, and you know, having to uh, reluctantly get involved in these act action sequences that they're not necessarily inherently equip equipped for, right? Mm. There's some potential there. And I do quite like the bit where he's just thinking over how he would actually get around these guards and the fact that he might have to kill them and how would he kill them. And he's thinking, like, if I have to slit their throat, where do I slit? Where do I put the mm. knife on their throat so they die? I like that bit, actually. Yeah, I didn't give a shit. Well, bully for you. Is that, was that good analysis? That's a great analysis. Thank you. Thank you. That's why we're such a great team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right, so he, he do it. And then what happens next? Then he makes his way back to his room. He breathes a sigh of relief. Smokes a cigarette. Thinks thoughts such as, Phew, I got away with it. Maybe I'll be able to escape after all. And then he's like, oh, imagine Lissau's face when he finds out. What a loser. 
But who is in the corner pointing a gun at him? But what? Who is it? It's Lissau. It's Lissau. All right, that's it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Can I make a quick prediction about what's going to happen next and how that uh, cliffhanger is going to be resolved? Uh, sure. I'll tell you if it was supported, the thing that I got. Given Crichton's track record, certainly given similar scenes in Odds On, I believe that it will be not what it seems entirely. It might be him bursting in and expecting Anne to be there because she's been mysteriously absent from proceedings. And he might have expected her to be in cahoots with him somewhere. It'll just be like, oh, Anne's not here. I heard something bad was going on, but you're here, so I guess you're okay or something. Something along those lines. Yeah, I was also thinking that. Or it'll be uh, even more deflating and it will be like, hey, would you like to see my vintage gun collection like this piece here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to point a gun at you and make sure that you have sex with my wife while I take photographs. <laughs> 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 it's a reference to something else. Alright, well, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Oh.